Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. I started very quickly. I'm so sorry. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about a film that Wikipedia calls a sports drama, but I am going to call an autistic love story. We're going to watch or talk about Rocky from 1976, the original Rocky film. Uh, but before we get started, how was your week? My week is actually pretty good. Um, I was able to to relax, which is a big deal. <laughs> there was storming outside. Storming. It was absolutely California storming. is underwater. We're having Texas weather. And it's <laughs> it's actually good for the state, not for individuals in the state. No. But it's actually good for the state because we've been in such a horrible state of drought for such a long time. Yeah. That um, that anything that fills up the reservoirs and and uh, brings back some green to this very dry, flammable state. Yeah. Is a good idea. Yeah, and there's going to be water in our reservoirs. Yes. You know what we don't have enough of in California, I found out. Reservoirs? Yep. Mm. <laughs> so that's fun. But the ones we have are getting filled up, so. How was your week? I had a rough weekend. So it turns out you can overdose on cannabis. I didn't die or anything. Um, I didn't have to go to the hospital. But um, when we sat down to watch this movie, I took what I deemed to be a fairly small amount of a what I knew was going to be a potent edible made by somebody, handcrafted, not store-bought, um, and then I proceeded to get higher than I've ever been in my life and was high for two days after oh. that. I didn't enjoy it. It was not a good experience. I don't recommend it. I am on a detoxing uh, pause this week because that was a feeling I do not like. But well, I think we got like 25 minutes into this movie and I turned to you and I was like, I'm going to need to watch this again because I can't understand what's happening. So uh, that was Friday night. Saturday I was high all day. Sunday I was also high all day. I didn't get anything done this weekend. So uh, now this week, I'm supposed to go out of town this weekend, this next weekend coming up. And I was planning on prepping to for that last weekend. So now this week, I get to do all the work and all the prep. And hopefully I'll still get to go out of town. Yay! You will get to go out of town. But uh, we did get to watch this movie, mm -hmm. um, which I thought I had seen before. Turns out you had not? I don't know if I had or not. Um, it didn't stick with me if I had. I knew the beats. I knew he was a boxer. I knew she was not. Okay. <laughs> I knew Carl Weathers played Apollo Creed, because we've seen the Creed movies. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'd seen the original Rocky, and maybe that's it. Um, and I still am not sure if this was a rewatch for me. What I did remember right as it started was, oh, this is one of those scores that, like, you can't really think about the music and not think about the movie. Like, right. the, the music is the movie and the movie is the music. The the song theme from Rocky, which is also called Gonna Fly Now, is a major, like, cultural, like, people, you hear that and you know what what's up. So I thought that was fun. But, like, certain parts is like, I kept laughing, like, just giving. Just giggling when when Rocky would 
he would just always he said yo adrian like a thousand times it's almost like a tick Mm-hmm. And I thought he had said it like one time because it's like an iconic line. Right. Like you hear that and you're like, oh, that's Rocky. But like the fact that he says it like a hundred times in this movie, I just like, I laughed every time because I was like, he did it again. <laughs> like, it's so, so strange. Um, so why don't you share with us your theory of the film because it'll influence what we do going forward. Yes. Yeah, so my theory of the film is this is the most autistic love story committed to film certainly pre 2000s mm. uh i i looked up to see if there had been anything written on this or anything like that and i didn't see anything when you search autism mm-hmm. sylvester stallone because that was my first thought i was like right. sylvester stallone wrote this movie right this movie was written by yes sylvester stallone he did not direct it but he did write it um and he writes two profoundly autistic characters that are so profoundly different from one another, but accurate representations of autistic people that I was like, well, there's no way he's not autistic. <laughs> if you look up Sylvester Stallone autism, you find out that one of his sons is autistic. Uh, the, son, the one that actually plays their, their child, the, the infant in Rocky 2, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, Adrian and Rocky get together, y'all, <laughs> um, and end up having a baby. That baby is, um, I believe that his son's name is Sergio Stallone, spelled, hold on, it made me sad. Stallone, autism. Sergio, spelled S-E-A-R-G-E-O-H, <laughs> which Whoa. makes me want to punch Sylvester Stallone and his, the, the whoever, whichever woman birthed this child, right in the face for well, doing that. He can take it. I'm yeah. not so sure about her. Uh, so he was diagnosed with autism when he was three, and um, they opted to not put him in a school or a or or a hospital, they opted to homeschool him and keep him mm-hmm. separate. But uh, that baby wasn't even born until 1979. Uh, I am now of the belief that yes, Sylvester Stallone is on the autism spectrum. I it, it will never be proven, and he'll never be diagnosed. He's 70 some years old. Like they don't do it anymore. But his his writing of these characters tells me everything that I need to know, and. It's tricky because when you watch it now and you watch that first date between the two of them, you're like, is this rapey? <laughs> because y'all, there's a knife's edge and he is just walking right along it. Mm. Ultimately, I would argue no. But it's it's a little bit rough right there at the beginning. There were moments in that scene in particular where I didn't know where he was going to go with that. Having grown up with seeing, you kind of have to talk her into it. Yeah. You know, that being the premise yeah. of so many yeah, scenes there's like a lot this. Yeah, there's a lot of that, right. That um, that uh, I uh, I was a little uncomfortable up until I saw the very end there's of it. There's a twist. Was, right. Yeah, there's a turn where she's very much into it. And what I will say, and we'll talk about it, what I will say is he never crowds her. Mm-hmm. He never... 
maneuvers her mm-hmm. and in any way. He invites her and says, yeah, hey, come on, sit down, or hey, come mm-hmm. on, join me, or whatever. But he, she is, there's never uh, obstruction between her and a door. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, she's free to go. Uh-huh. And he, I think he understands, because he's good with animals, right? He's got, right. he's bought animals from her. She works at a pet store. And uh, I think he understands skittish. So, I'm going to be welcoming, but I'm not going to get too close. <laughs> um, but what really surprised me about this movie was how little sports is in it. Like, there's not that much sports in it. It's, it's an hour and 59 right. minutes. <clears throat> there's less than an hour of sports in it. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised by that. I was like, oh, this is like a love story. And sort of the story of this, he's kind of a fucking bum. Like, yeah, that's the thing with this. That's kind of, again, if you it, haven't seen it. We talked about it this morning. One of the reasons why I think that there are people who got disappointed with the films as they went along is that it goes into this kind of, um, after the third movie, it starts going into this kind of almost fantasy realm. Right. He's fighting a, a nearly seven foot tall uh, steroid injected Russian. Right. And then there's this other fight against Tommy Morrison, who was a real boxer. And it winds up in a street fight, which I thought was a better ending. That's a lot more realistic really than, interesting. than having him go back in a ring at his age. And then there's a whole other sequel where uh, there's a computer simulation of him fighting against another popular boxer. Right. And he has to come out of retirement because he wants to prove that he can do it. All of these things almost verge into fantasy, um, but the um, and did I think he the, write of the other ones? I'm not sure if he wrote all of them. I will I will look it up. But I know that Creed kind of restored that character that that we all knew from this film. This and I is, think the movie Rocky Balboa kind of brought right. it back to there as well. He's written forty. He's got forty two writing credits. That's. That's very impressive to me. Mm-hmm. He wrote the screenplay for Quilted Cliffhanger. Rocky, written by. Paradise Alley, written by. Rocky 2, written by. Rocky 3, written by. Rocky 4, written by. But let me look at Rocky 4 and see if there's like six writers. Nope. He's doing it himself. So, yeah. So, he's... He's... he's. I think he might be uh, Vin Dieseling himself. <laughs> Where he was like... Well, if they let me keep making these movies, I'm going to keep making them right. more spectacular, um, which I think he probably also did with the Rambos, because like the very first Rambo is a very is a very realistic, very kind of well, comparatively realistic, right, and gritty and, um, and not it doesn't right. glorify violence the way that I, we watched one that came out in the 2000s and it was. It was probably one of the more violent movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it was wildly violent and just like. Broadly racist, like those movies are broadly. And the reason I say broadly racist is he was in an Asian country, but damned if I can tell you which one somewhere that's like Thailand or Cambodia or Burma or you know, mm. something like one of those places. But maybe it was none of those places. And I'm just like, Ugh. and then I know that they went to I didn't see the last one, but they went to Mexico, right. For the last one, and I was just like, "No, that last, that last one got me, and I can't, I can't, I can't watch another one." So he starts pretty grounded, and then 
I guess well, I think then he is Sylvester Stallone, so he has to keep producing Sylvester Stallone type material. Which is a shame because this and the original Ram- Rambo mm-hmm. are more interesting. Right. I think he would think that they are more interesting. They're certainly more interesting to play. Right. Um. So why can't he lay claim to that as being the Sylvester Stallone thing? Right? I think like I just think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um so he and I wonder if he's a person who like Keanu Reeves was bad at speaking when he was younger, like um doing press and things. Right. Uh I don't know, I don't remember seeing a lot of press with him. He got a lot of popularity really quickly after this film. Um the making of this film is a story into itself. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was just an actor who showed up in random movies. If you look at, of course, he worked, he worked for Roger Corman. He played the villain in Death Race 2000, which was the first place I saw him. Uh, and he was uh, a mugger in one of Woody Allen's films, which I can't remember because I really don't watch. He was a mugger in this. Right. Well, he was... <laughs> I <but> know, but... <laughs> the idea that he heard about the Chuck Wepner fight which is when Muhammad Ali fought a um, sort of a, a club fighter, a ham and egger. Um, which is what he refers to himself right. as in this, in this movie, which Somebody is a phrase I've never heard before. Somebody makes but. a living uh, fighting, and sometimes they're very talented, sometimes they're not, but it's not a matter of skill. They just put on a good show for the audience. And um, Ali decided to actually fight this guy with this really strange... Uh, record and uh and the crowd goes wild at one point because Wepner knocks Ali down mind you it's later pointed out that he actually stepped on Ali's foot and then punched him because he had so he sucker punched him well he had habits left over from back when you're fighting and you know ah I gotcha and then uh he went the whole distance the 15 rounds only unlike Rocky to fall short by 19 seconds, I think, in the last round when Ali just got tired and knocked his ass out. Oh, okay. It's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that's enough. <laughs> but, yeah. But um, in that story inspired him. He, he saw it. He wound up going into some sort of state where he just wrote for three days, he goes. And at the end of that, he had the beginnings of this finished script. You know what he wrote? He wrote, yo, Adrian, like 45 times. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. He says it so much. <laughs> You <laughs> But yeah, he, he associated himself with the project. He refused to sell it. There were attempts by producers to buy Oh, he it was from like, him. if you want to make it, right. I'm starring in it. Right. Period. He decided just to, because he had been turned down. Good uh, for him. One of the funnier stories I heard recently was that he was turned down from The Godfather from being an extra at Connie's wedding where he would have met Talia Shire. Oh, that's really um, funny. Because he was told by a casting agent, he didn't look Italian enough. Which, so here's the thing about Sylvester Stallone. He, first of all, he's so young in this. Right. His skin, so baby soft and smooth on his face. I'm just like, oh, look at the baby. He looks like a caricature drawing. Mm-hmm. Because his eyes are tilted this down <laughs> in a way that most human eyes are not. <laughs> and so he's got this very... Tired, mm-hmm. 
face. His face is tired. And that also lends to a look of a little bit like, huh? Like, he doesn't look particularly together and with it. Um, which, uh, he must be pretty smart. He wrote this movie. He right. He's written 42 movies. He's like, <laughs> like, he's a smart guy. But also, I'm 100% convinced he's autistic. I don't know how. I don't know how it affects him and how it, how it manifests in him. But his writing of, of the characters in this movie, Rocky with his patter that never stops and his sort of inability to let a quiet moment happen. Yeah. And his, um, he like, he's constantly moving too. And like I said, Yo Adrian is always like a, like a verbal tick. Like he says it so well, many and, and times. Something that in, in talking to our roommate, who's my age. Mm-hmm. We just thought this was a representation of somebody who's punch drunk. They've been hit in the head too many times, and you brought up, like, he, he doesn't guard his head. He just goes in there slugging. And he never, he doesn't. I'm like, put your arm up. Right. Put your, put your, put your, put your glove in front of your face <laughs> so that someone hits your glove and not your face. Stop getting your face hit. He didn't, he never stopped getting his face hit. Never, not once. But he, um... We didn't know about the kind of, uh, well, the things that we now know right. about uh, autism or people in the spectrum. And it, when you brought that up, I looked at both him and Adrian and saw, oh, that's completely what yeah. these two people are. Which he writes into the script. Mm-hmm. He tells Polly, because Polly's like, what do you see in my sister? And he's like, deficits. Right. Is is, is Rocky's answer. and And what he means is, I'm not good at stuff that she's good at, which is mm-hmm. like being quiet, staying still, <laughs> listening. And I'm good at things that she's not good at. Like we... Standing up for yourself or getting, you know, in the way of a struggle. Or yeah. or going for what you actually right. want. Which is what Stallone's thing was. It's like, you're not going to make this movie without me. And there were attempts. There were attempts to cast. Um, and the people they wanted to cast. Robert Redford who I don't see doing this at all. I would like he Renfrew. still be the Italian stallion? I don't know. I don't think. Because... I don't think he could have no. done that. Um, <laughs> it would have been a completely different movie. Um, and I think the uh, the other one that might have been able to do a better would probably be Burt Reynolds, who also was looked at. And at the time, you think about Burt Reynolds' post-deliverance, when yeah. he was still like in his physical specimen days, and he yeah, was very. Yeah, but it's, that's not what I'm thinking about. Mm. I'm thinking about the way that Rocky Balboa is written, the words that come out of his face. Right. Yeah. It's sliced alone. Like it just is. Well, it's because that was. It, <laughs> I mean, it was. He was but writing yeah, himself. He wound up taking a huge. Uh, he rejected take, a, a uh, big offer mm-hmm. just to buy the script outright from him. Went with producing it uh, and. Uh, Get, choosing a director, John Adelson. Did who, he get money on the end, on the back end? I don't know. Oh, I hope so. But uh, he, John Adelson, who directed, who really was a just an odd kind of journeyman director himself. You, yeah, John Alvids, Alvidson? Yes. And he, uh, I think his other big success was directing The Karate Kid, which is essentially a sports, martial arts-oriented version of Rocky. Sure. Um, and it's that that's more of a sports movie because there's, you know... Big tournament at the end. And he won Best Director for this movie. Yeah, it's, uh, this, this character, 
it really needed to be this guy doing it. It really did. And it, he just he brought the right amount of of pathos to the part. Yeah. Now that I don't know if you've seen the poster for this film. Mm. The poster for this film, the original poster, makes way more sense than a lot of images that I've seen around this mm. film. And it's it's the silhouette of Rocky in his um gym gear, right? Mm. Shorts and nothing else because he's a boxer. And Adrian's standing next to him. And it's a, just yeah. their silhouette. And that's what it's he's the two of them. The interview that I saw to, uh, today or listened to was he really saw it as these two people coming together. It, that's absolutely what it is. And This is a love story more than it's it a sports him, movie. He's proving something to himself because then he thinks he's worthy of Adrian. That's exactly... Yeah, no, when he finishes that fight and he's right. made it the whole time, all he's doing is bellowing <laughs> her name at the end, just like... Yeah. You know, yeah. It's And she doesn't need that from him. That's for him. That's right. not for her. But, but she knows well, that he needs maybe that. Maybe we should start with the movie because we're yeah, going let's on. start with the movie. Let's get into it. Yeah, we're talking kind of around things. Mm. So uh, we're talking about, it's 1975, Apollo Creed mm-hmm. is. Muhammad Ali. But it's so actually world Apollo Creed. champion, <laughs> heavyweight boxing champion, world champion. Mm-hmm. Champion of the world, I think is how they say it, right? Uh, he's going to have a title bout in Philadelphia right around New Year's for the centennial, 1976. This movie comes out in 1976. But five weeks before the fight date, his opponent is unable to compete due to an injured hand. Now, I couldn't remember why that guy couldn't fight. I thought it was that they pulled out because they just didn't Mm want to fight him. (laughs) Uh, But basically, everybody else was like, can't train in time, can't do it in time, can't do it in time, we're not doing that. And he, Apollo Creed, who's played here by Carl Weathers... Um, Former Oakland Raider. Yeah. Woo-woo. I don't care. Now, it's the Las Vegas Raiders, and uh, nothing matters anymore. So he decides, let's do a, let's give a local contender a chance to challenge me. Basically, though, he doesn't give him a chance to challenge him. He basically says, I want to fight this guy, this Italian stallion, mm-hmm. right? <coughs> so... But we've already met Rocky because we open with Rocky uh, fighting. Mm-hmm. Does he win? He does. He, he spites, wins that uh, first fight. That's right. He's losing. And then he gets mad. Spider Rico. Spider Rico, who, again, club fighting, right? Where there's all sorts of weird tricks. Spider headbutts him. And I remember the first that's time what I it saw is. that. And that's when he gets mad. Yeah, and he he gets pissed off and just beats the daylights out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so he's a southpaw fighter. He's right. a left-handed fighter. Do you think that that means... Do you think he's left-handed? Do you think Sly's left-handed? It, it left-handed. must be it, right? Um, who fights in small gyms. And, y'all, he is... He's a knuckle-breaker. Right. He has a day job. His day working. job is mm. to mug men. Not mug them, but get... He's working for a bookie. Lone shark, whatever you want to call him. Named Gazzo. Um... And he's played by Joe Spinelli, who anybody who's seen a lot of Italian horror movies knows who Joe Spinelli is. He's, he, you can tell, he has one of those faces that just, uh, there's something up with that guy. Yeah. Um, so he... But here he's really sympathetic, though. Yes. Um, wait, as... Which person? Wait, wait who was the, that? The Lone Shark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gazzo's interesting because he keeps giving Rock, like... 
five hundred dollars at a time, and mm-hmm. I'm like, Rocky, are you writing down what he's giving you because he's gonna want that shit back? <laughs> we find out right at the beginning, like he goes in after the day after his fight mm-hmm. that that he won. Right. To get, where we find out he got paid forty dollars for that fight. Right. I did the math, or I, you know, I, I googled what is that in today's money. This is nineteen seventy six money, or not, I guess it was seventy five even. It's about two hundred bucks. Jesus, <laughs> just like oh, of course you've got a day job because this is not going to do it. Um, and he goes in the next day to the gym that he fights at, and his uh, locker has been cleaned out because the guy that runs the gym, Mickey, who's Who's played at a fever pitch the whole time? I don't. Does he? Does he say anything? British or does he only yell. Uh, I think he only I yells. I think the idea movie. is, and Burgess Meredith is a really he's so he's like a hacker. angry little ferret. He's so mad, and he's, he's yelling a, all the time. He's a really. I, I I love him. He's very very funny and very articulate and very. In this part, though, I think he's going for he's been he can't hear very well. Okay, all right. I think is what he's going that. for. It's like he's partially deaf, so he's just like yelling everything all the time, and he has some contempt for for Rocky. Also, because Rocky had um, the potential to be a contender, and instead he became a fucking f- could have been flunky. a contender. Instead, you're just a bum. You're just a bum. <laughs> Literally, that's what yeah. it is. Because he was working it's for Castle. Like took that line out of. Uh, of <laughs> Off the waterfront and just like, let's write a script around. <laughs> yes. Yes. Actually, I bet that is part right. of it. Right? So Rocky had talent. Has talent mm-hmm. still. Um, but he's content doing nothing, working for this loan shark, breaking people's thumbs, even though he doesn't. The one time he's sent to break some thumbs, he breaks zero thumbs. And he almost gives the guy money to like... He almost does. That's true. <laughs> right? Uh, the other thing about Rocky is he's in love with Adrian. Mm-hmm. He goes and visits her twice a day at her job, which is at a a, a pet store or right. a fish store. It's I don't a pet know. J M J and M Tropical. Because they have fish, a dog, but they have a dog there. No, that's right. Because she gives him the dog. Butkus, which is like, <laughs> um, and she, he goes and he tells her a joke every morning and a joke every evening. Now this girl. This is uh, Talia Shire, who we saw in Godfather movies, where mm-hmm. she says probably just as many words as she does in this movie. Um, she's painfully shy. We do get a sense, vaguely, that she's interested in him in some way, but like she can't look at him, she doesn't talk to him. Yeah, he, <laughs> watching their scenes together in this early part of the film is almost painful. Mm-hmm. Because she, he's trying so hard to get her attention. He's at a hundred percent, and she's right. at a negative seventy-five. But she's the like, minute that he leaves, she's looking at the door after like, him, like, "Where to go?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And which I think he gets on mm-hmm. some level, right? So, she's the sister of Polly, who's a fuckhead, right? <laughs> so Polly and there's is... there's an attempt to make him better as the series of films goes on. Oh, good because he's a fucking right. abusive dickhead in this, <laughs> played by Burt Young. Basically, tries to pimp Adrian out mm-hmm. 
basically. And, and, it's, and I'm like, why do you even want her to get off and get married? Because she does everything for you. Right. I think they he, live together, and uh, she cooks and cleans, and she's basically his mom. I think what it is is that he, she also will, as he puts it, call the hospital if I'm 15 minutes late. She'll try to find out where I am. She's She'll very try to take care worried, of him. and she's right? taking care of him and cares so about him too. That's much. it, and he wants to drink, and he's awful, awful to her. He's fucking terrible. The Thanksgiving to her. scene was just and, a nightmare. And frankly, the fact that Rocky doesn't lay him the fuck out mm-hmm. puts him a little lower in my esteem. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, you let this dude talk to the woman that you care about like that. I understand that he's her brother. That means he's been doing it her whole life. You need to end it. He stands up for her. He won't hit him. Won't. And I think that was something that also went through the whole series. It's like there are times when you're just like, just hit him, and he doesn't. I mean, I guess they're best friends, but uh-huh. I also don't understand that. And Polly's constantly like, get me a job with Gazzo, and Rocky won't. And it's not, I don't think it's because he doesn't think Polly could do a job with Gazzo. Mm-hmm. I think he is trying to protect Polly from being an idiot He's and also getting himself to, killed. Yeah, I think that <sighs> as nice as Gazzo is, because Gazzo is like a real sports fan, he wants to see right. these fights and everything that Rocky's yeah. in. Um, he, uh, and and Gasol might even be of the opinion that Rocky was a contender, if not mm-hmm. for him and right. his influence. So maybe yeah, he's he, trying to make up for that a little bit. There, there's a there's a kind of a funny back and forth with Gazzo's um, chauffeur, who just doesn't like Rocky, mm-hmm. and they're going back and forth all the time. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, and to the point where Rocky at one point just like asked him to step outside the car, and he's not going to do it. No, so, he's not because I'm not. Yeah, no, because he's not. An I'm idiot. not an idiot. <laughs> So, there's, that's going on. He, like you said, he's supposed, he goes after one guy to get, get money. He gets 130 of, of 200 owed mm-hmm. and he's supposed to break this dude's thumb, but he doesn't do it. Um, and then Gazzo's pissed at him for not doing it, but he's like, well, I just figured that if you, you know, if his thumbs were broken, he wouldn't be able to make the money and then you wouldn't get your money back, which I'm like, well, that, well that's reasonable. Y- yes, but... but then Gazzo's like, I'm the one who thinks you're the one who breaks the thumbs, <laughs> because if not, it makes me look weak. So there's a little contention there, but he's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It gets smoothed out, as I said. So, so he is, um, and their relationship seems to largely be built on trust. On, yeah, it's, it's very, because that relationship hands, is very weird. He hands, Gazzo hands him an envelope with money and he just tucks it away. doesn't count it. doesn't, none of that. It's like, I'll, I'll take it for whatever you pay me is what I Well, I the other thing is, you're oh, not going to just right. count an envelope of money on the street. Uh, That's how you get killed. There's something about <sighs> this neighborhood, though. There is a scene that I was like, I was high. Mm-hmm. I was already getting high when this scene happened, and I was like, um, am I imagining this? Because Rocky is just walking home, and he passes, it's like nine teen boys singing together. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? This is what what uh, potential entertainers did before TikTok. Mm. Just stand on the street corner? Oh, there were, there were bands discovered on street corners. And then the, he hits, and Rocky gets so little respect in his neighborhood. <clears throat> Uh, there's a teenage girl who just is mouthing off to him. Constantly, yeah. Yeah. And I like the fact but that... But he's... Because he is a very chill... Right. Dude. Like, he's not going to go off on her. He's, yeah. You know, he's like... He probably thinks it's funny. 
Yeah. Right? Like, he's like, whatever. <laughs> but he also, he thinks he's a bum. Um, He doesn't think he's good enough for really anything. Mm. When he's approached, um, he thinks it's for sparring partners for Apollo, uh, yeah. Apollo Creed. And when he's told, no, 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 he wants you to fight him for the championship, immediately he's like, no. Nah. He right. says, no, thank you. Well, we know earlier also... He says, I'm a ham and egger. It would make a good fight. He, he also, uh, early in the film, he goes into a bar and he gets up and leaves because the bartender uses a racial slur mm. on, um, on Apollo Creed. I missed Creed. that part. Oh, I missed that part. Okay. And he's just like, no, 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 that's the, that's a, the greatest champion that ever lived and then walks out of the bar. Yeah. So he... Really respects Apollo, he, right? Yes, he's. It's not that he doesn't want to fight him. He thinks mm-hmm. it, he says, "I'm just a local guy and a hammerlegger. Right. It wouldn't make a good fight." And he's brought around for mm-hmm. 150,000 dollars, <laughs> which I'm sorry, but that bring me around too. Um, and um, then Mickey comes back around, also. So that's um, Burgess Meredith's a gym owner that says, "Let me, let me train your, you know, let me train you or whatever." So he trains weird. He he does the raw eggs. He runs up the steps of the is it the museum, the Philadelphia Museum? Yeah. Or he so. there's now a rocky hall, statue. It's not it's not a city hall. I know it's not. I know it's not a um, municipal building. Yeah. It's either a library or a museum. Um, and he punches meat. He punches sides of beef because Polly works where Polly's at a, actually helpful. Yeah, he works at a, uh, a butcher, basically down the street from an abattoir, um, and he starts punching the sides of beef, um, and he starts dating Adrian. He takes her out for I think for the first time on Thanksgiving. Polly basically sells her. She doesn't want to go because it's Thanksgiving and she's making right. food. He pulls the turkey out of the oven and dumps it in the trash. It sucks so bad. Yeah, he grabs a leg off the turkey. I a think leg off the turkey and then, and then throws the rest of it in the trash. And she's like, I'm not going anywhere. She's so upset. But then she does go out with him. You know, Rocky asks Polly, what does your sister like to do? To which he says, ice skating. So this is actually very sweet. He takes her to... Like wherever the hockey team plays, mm-hmm. and basically bribes the, Zambo- the Zamboni driver to let them have five minutes on the ice, and so he's walking and she's skating around the ice, and they're talking, and this is when they kind of do get a conversational rhythm going, where he'll talk, right, and then she'll say. And then he'll talk some more. <laughs> and, and it is this, they are like puzzle pieces. They are, he's right. right. When, when Polly's, you know, asks and he's, he's like, you know, she's the things that I'm not and I'm the things that she's not. That's what it is. Like they do sort of fit together really nicely. And then they go back to his place. And this is the scene where I was like, um, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. She's standing like in his, it's hard to say what rooms anything is in this apartment. Yeah, because it's so small. It's very small. There's a futon, which I'm going to presume also is a bed. Um, There's like a mattress up against a wall held into place with a knife. Like, I didn't know I what that was. I missed that. 
There's a, yeah, there's a kitchen. There's a, so she's standing there fully dressed with her little hat on and he like takes his shirt off. So he's just in like a wife beater, like a tank top. And he's like, it's so hot in here. And he's like, oh, why don't you come over and sit down? And he, she's like, um, maybe I should go or whatever. And he's like, I think you should come in and sit down. Just have a seat. Just have, come talk to me or whatever. And he's, he's cajoling, but he's not Mm -hmm. touching her. Right. He's nowhere near her when this is happening. You know, he cleans off, he's like, is <laughs> a fucking mess. He moves some fucking newspaper. He shows her, her his turtles, Cuff and Link. <laughs> and she's like, I know, I sold the them to you. The director in his the interview I saw when I was a kid uh-huh. said that was what, like, he's going, because he did, he was doing this sort of like, the American equivalent of kitchen sink melodramas in the 70s, mm-hmm. films like Joe with Peter Boyle and stuff like that. So he was doing this sort of, he was trying to go for a hard-boiled reputation as a filmmaker. And he goes, and then I get this script about a guy who's talking to his turtle and introducing his turtle to his fish. And for some reason, it just struck with me. It stuck with me, rather. Um, this is a guy who, like, beats people's heads in for a living, but he really just wants his, his turtle and his fish to talk to each other. That's right. <laughs> Yes. She makes him kind of endearing. Um, and then, you know, she comes and sits with him. And then they end up kissing and, mm. and more. We presume. But <laughs> the thing that made me laugh was, like, he kisses her. They they end up kissing. And then they stand up. And they're kissing against the wall. And then he, like, he, like, Hugs her and then sinks them both to the floor. I'm like, how is the floor your move? <laughs> like, it feels like the bed might be a move. <laughs> Do you have one of those? <laughs> because the floor is nobody's move. <laughs> it's that scene in listening to Stallone describe it. He said that he actually kind of was fell in love with her in that scene in real life, Talia Shire, because he said that what she was doing was. He was an actor who was a journeyman actor, right? right? He's trying to get a part. He's trying to get a part. Yeah, yeah. Here's this actress who he goes, at first she wasn't giving me anything. Like we had a test and the test really went well. But when I'm doing this scene, it's like I felt like she wasn't giving me anything until I realized that's what she's supposed to be doing. She's supposed, yes. She's supposed to be like inscrutable. And so he tries everything, including like when all else fails, I thought the idea of I, I can't seem to get across to her intellect. She doesn't like my jokes. Right. I, mean, I was going to say intellectually. She but does gonna... like the jokes, right. but she doesn't know how to... So that finally, he's, his last resort is, I'm just going to take off my shirt and flex for her, you know? <laughs> it's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, this, this is what I can do. And so he goes, that was that scene that he's never had another scene like that with an actress where she just was giving him so much to work with without saying a word. Right. And that she's, was like, a, she's like a good actress. And right. then he understood, oh, what acting is. It's, it is actually reacting to what's mm-hmm. in front of me. It's right. not just do, saying the things that like are on the pages. She's a world-class reactor. Yeah. Because the way that when he was just, because Rocky's sort of blathering on about something, and you can see You just her. see these little darts. Her right. eyes go real quick, and then it's like it didn't happen. Right. But you know that she's interacting. Well, she's She's interacting with her her surroundings, but she's doing it so fleetingly yeah. that you're going to fucking miss it if you blink. <laughs> Michael Caine, he was uh, doing Inside the Actor's Studio uh-huh. a number of years ago, and he was asked about, well, by one of the actors in the audience, 
what do you do um, when you have these scenes of dialogue that aren't yours? How do you how do you deal with you know the other actors giving you a speech and you're receiving it? And he goes, well, that's you have to be an active listener, but more than that, think of all the things your character wants to say and doesn't. And doesn't, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was like a, that was brilliant. He got an ovation for that one. But he, uh, I think that Talia Shire in this scene is a, just giving a master class yeah. Yeah. in this kind of acting. She's, and it's a tough scene to watch, especially now, mm-hmm. post yeah. Me Too, post everything else. You're just like, oh, is this going to be... Is he gonna right. assault her? And the answer, I think, I firmly come down on the side of no. No. Um. But I think another character easily could and would have. But this is a love story, you guys. It's and not a story what's about assault. Interesting is how much this changes her as a person afterward. Yes. Because now, after that scene, they're just together all the time. Yeah, and she's like, she'll want to, like, hug up on him, and he's, he's like, I'm tired, and I can't. And she's like, <laughs> she, like, pouts. It's really, like, it's, they are. Right. Yeah, once they're in it, they're in it. Um, And this is something, again, when I saw it, I, the last time I saw this movie, I was, I was a kid. Yeah. And so I just didn't. You know, get it. all of this went over my head, and just like when are we going to see people punching each other in the head again? Later, right? So there's a bunch of like you know, small town. Like he's being interviewed for news things and things like that. He he does go ahead and put the meat shop on his robe so that he can have a robe for the fight. Says the Italian salad on the back. That's maybe one of my favorite. I was like, oh, this is a well-written and directed movie because Mm -hmm. the first time you see the phrase Italian Stallion, which is a rough phrase when Mm -hmm. you hear it with your ears, the first time you see it, you you even know it's a thing, it's in writing. So after Rocky's first fight, he goes and he takes like a gold robe out of Mm -hmm. his locker and puts it on and it says Italian Stallion on the back. And so that's the first time you ever get that term. And then the second time you get it is when Apollo Creed is reading in the newspaper about the fights and he says, Italian Stallion, I like that. And I'm like, you like it because you read it and didn't hear it first because if somebody had said that to you, you would have been like, ooh. Well, yeah, and yeah, his rationale, Apollo Creed means the Italian Stallion. It sounds like a monster movie. It's it like does. it does. It does. It 100% Something does. we should bring up too is that when... Uh, Creed Apollo is uh, has the guy who's arranging the fights, who was supposed to arrange the mm-hmm. fight that was going to take place in Philadelphia, who's there, David. It's really funny because like, this is the same guy from Journey to the Center of the Earth. That oh, guy. interesting. Um, he plays the uh, the promoter, and he um, he winds up asking Rocky to come in. After that happens, Mickey. There's a big scene with Mickey where Mickey falls into his house and just tries to get chummy with him. Yeah. And 
his Mickey's defense for why he is the way he is is that nobody watched out for me and right. they just took advantage of me and now I, I wound up, you know. So his, he pictures himself to basically be his manager because right. he's like, you don't have anybody looking out for you. Yeah. You don't have anybody training you right now. And, and he Rocky's whole idea is I can train myself, I can yeah. run up steps, I can punch pieces, pieces of meat, I can drink all of the eggs. But it's, what Mickey starts teaching him is oh, that scene where he's really trying to appeal to him that's a really good scene, too, because in it you can see the depth of Rocky's autisticness. Yeah. Because he's not able to confront Mickey to his face. Mm-hmm. He just gets gives him the quiet act. The quiet act, Mickey kind of goes off on his own tangent and starts mm-hmm. ex- screaming because that's what he does. He's just at an 11 the whole time. <laughs> and eventually he just sort of storms out and then... Rocky starts shouting through the closed door while Mickey's now in the street about how he was, felt mistreated by him. Right. And then eventually, like, talks him through the process and then runs out the door. And They Mickey. always have stream ma- screaming matches. There's a right. whole thing in the beginning, too, when he loses his, um, his locker, where right. he's like, why do you treat me like this all the time? And he's in the middle of the gym. Yeah. And, like, Mick, and everybody around him, like, stops and is like, well, what's going on? And they have a screaming match in the middle of the gym, too. Yeah, they're not... Right. Just uh, sit down and have a conversation, gentlemen. Inside places. Yeah, but I I like that because it's going, here's a guy who's about to fight for the heavyweight title Mm -hmm. who can't confront a five-foot-tall man who's so small. Burgess Meredith is a tiny, tiny person. And uh, and then after... and, And his story, for some reason, the story that he tells about fighting this guy... Back in his days when he was a boxer, and no one's he has no management, he has no one watching out for him. And the guy stuck a pin in his did you get that? A no, pin in his glove, a pin in his glove. and so he's punching Mickey in the face. He goes, and you know, there's there's spit coming out of my cheeks because that that picture mm. stayed with me. Mm. The picture got stuck in my head, it stayed with me my entire life. Yeah. Like, oh Ooh, god, that rough. sounds horrible. Um, the night before the fight, Rocky visits the stadium. Mm-hmm. He doesn't feel like he can win. He tells Adrian he doesn't think he can win. But he's hopeful he can make it, he can go the, the distance. Uh, no one's ever lasted more than three rounds with mm-hmm. Apollo Creed. Okay. And uh, Rocky's trying to go 15. And I'm just like, I would like to see Apollo Creed hit round four and be like, I'm gassed. <laughs> like, it turns out my right. stamina is shitty because uh, these motherfuckers always lose in the first however long. So. Something we learned about Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah. Yes, right. So he fights. Um, so it's New Year's Day. Y'all, 13 minutes to the end of the movie is when the fight starts. I was like, what? <laughs> How is this not... Okay, let's do this, I guess. Um, Rocky comes in. I don't remember what song he comes into. Uh, Creed comes in. He's got a whole... He's, like, dressed as George Washington, but sparkly Mm -hmm. and black. Uh, He's on a boat, and he's, like, carried in, like he was crossing the Potomac. And then when he gets into the ring, he strips down... So he's like an Uncle Sam, I want you and you. And they explain who he is and the bit he's doing, which is weird. I was like, 
Does nobody know who Uncle Sam is? I know now. You would have known in 1770, or 1976, 1776 too. But 1976 is very weird. They're like, you know, they're talking about, oh, this was Uncle Sam, and during the war, right. he'd tell you if he wanted you to well, sign like, up for the... For, for our fans overseas. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay, because I was like, why are you explaining who Uncle Sam is? I didn't think about international rights. And, and it's the also, world's think, heavyweight right. champion. I think that there's also an element of um, of covering this sort of inanity, of this sort of blather that these... There, there was a reason why Howard Cosell was such a popular commentator. Oh, really? Just because... Because he was saying things that were relevant to what you were watching. I mean, Instead he, of just filling the time, because right? you're just like... And some of his humor was a little mean-spirited. It was like having a, a fight commentated on by Don Rickles or something. Oh, geez. But at the same time, he was still talking about what was going on, not just... I remember uh, I had a, a boss uh, when I worked at a Holmes Book Company who used to listen to baseball games on the radio. And I'd be in the stock room receiving, and they would just go on and on about just the most inane, inane things. Inane shit, because nothing is happening. Right. Baseball announcers same, right? Like, right. there's a lot of nothing happening, and we can't have dead air. So no. I guess we better patter. <laughs> so, um, right at the beginning of the fight, Rocky is able to take... Creed down, mm-hmm. knocks him down. It's the first step time. On his foot actually knocks him down. <laughs> actually knocks him down. And uh, it's the first time Creed has ever been knocked down. Mm-hmm. And he is humbled. He is worried. And he does take Rocky a little bit more seriously. And then they continue to beat the shit out of each other for right. so long. He goes all the rounds, y'all. And by like, he, he's been. Rocky. Here's here's what Rocky needed to be practicing during his five weeks Kung of training. <laughs> Putting his hands up right. in front of his fucking face. Here's what I know about boxing. Try not to get hit in the face. And Rocky seems to have missed that one lesson that is the only lesson I ever learned. He's totally fine with getting mm. hit repeatedly in the face. Um... He's got a bunch of hits to the head, broke his nose, mm. gets his nose broken in like the third round. He never had a broken nose. He had pride in it. Mickey says looks better, so that's funny. Um, he His eyes are so swollen that they have to get the razor and cut them, right. which is Which oh, was, again, gross. as a kid, that, seeing that scene was like, oh, God, no, 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 no. He lands a bunch of body blows on Creed right before the 15th round. And Creed says, I think I got a broken rib. Mm-hmm. So this 15th round, they're both right. last-legging it. Both of them want to, like, hook onto each other and just hug. <laughs> they're not allowed to do that. <laughs> um, and uh, even though Rocky gets another few uh, body blows in that look like they may mm-hmm. take him down, um... There is, oh, he does, I think he does hit him down, hit him again. Rocky gets a, an eight count at one point, but right. is able to get back up. And I think Creed gets something close to an eight count as well. So it looked like mm. it was going to be a TKO um, for Rocky, but then Creed does get up. 
um, and they are broken up from a clench at the end of the 15th round, um, where both of them are saying that we're not doing this again. (laughs) We're not doing this again. Um, And... No rematch. Yeah, no rematch. And the audience is going nuts, and Adrian is trying to get down. She's been not in where the fight is. She's been in the locker room. She didn't want to watch. But she knows the fight's over, and she was trying to get to him. And they're tallying it 15 rounds full. It goes to judges. Don't let the fucking judges take it. But... So we're hearing in the background it's it's a split decision mm-hmm. and they're starting to read the answer, the the response or the the decision by the judges and then we're, but what we're what we're watching is Rocky yelling for Adrian yelling for Adrian like a fucking seal on the beach Adrian <laughs> like his voice is so low he's got the shit beat out of him he probably is yelling from his diaphragm because his lungs aren't even working anymore. <laughs> Like, he's a mess, and then she's yelling, Rocky, Rocky, and trying to get down, but she's, you know, small and quiet. And she finally gets there, and she says, I love you, and he hugs her, Uh because they don't care what the decision is. Y'all, the decision is um, Apollo Creed 1 and a split decision Um, 8-7. But it doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. because Rocky and Adrian love each other. And now Rocky feels like he is okay. it's okay for Adrian to love him. Right, because he worthy of it. is worthy of it. So, what did you think? I love it so much. I would have liked more boxing. Is that weird to say? <laughs> Which is odd coming from you. Um, no, I enjoy. I enjoy sports right, movies. Right. I don't enjoy sports. <laughs> I, I forget you're the person who sat through. I don't know how many seasons of the Ultimate Fighter. Was also, like. I was yes, I do mm. like fighting. I would have. I thought this was a sports movie. This mm. is a kissing book. <laughs> who knew? Um, so I wouldn't have hated. I wouldn't have hated uh, more boxing, but. Yeah. That relationship is so good, and it is so interesting, because I'm like, yeah, I'm just immediately, as I'm watching them walk together, and he is all movement and energy mm-hmm. and and voice, and she is the most minimal of movement and the looking down and the quiet, and I'm just like, never have yeah, I I'm, seen so much autism on one I'm screen. I'm glad that you pointed that out, because it really gave me a different lens, and then you very promptly nodded off. But, I was yeah. so high, you guys. But, um, the uh, the thing I is, wasn't nodding. I was disassociating. It uh, <laughs> it really it gave me a different lens to see this part of the film, and I'm like, and I thought about it, and going, all right. When I first saw this movie, all of this was lost on me, and now that I've grown up with my own history of autism and inside mm-hmm. my own family and all. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, oh, okay, now I'm paying attention to these cues. And yes, that was really well played. Yeah. Kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. Made me want to, like, I want to talk to Sylvester Stallone about it. Right. I thought for sure I would find an article or an interview with him talking about it. But that is not the case. I couldn't find anything in a in a very broad search. Mm-hmm. Largely because one of... um Sylvester Stallone's own children is autistic right. um, in real life. Um, and so when you search Sylvester Stallone autism, that's yes, what you find out. Um, so 
I didn't get real granular with my search terms, but I, I would be interested to hear him talk on that. I wonder if he even realized it. I bet he realizes it now. Mm. I certainly pro- think he probably realized it after his son was diagnosed in 1981. Right. Um, but even then, we didn't know what autism was, and certainly the spectrum that it resides on because these characters are spectrum is tricky too because like less or more like less destructive easier to mask like there's just so many weird things around um, autism and it's um, myriad of ways that it presents um, but yeah, both of these two, I was just like, or we'll just say the most neurodivergence in a romantic uh, movie that I've seen, maybe ever, because they're so different and they're so real. That's the other thing that I was like, he wrote real ass characters in this movie. It's impressive to mm. me to have somebody who didn't have a history of screen screenwriting be able to write such clear, distinct characters and voices inside of this world that he very clearly knew. Like, I think he put it in a place that he was familiar with, right? Right. But, like, to not have all your characters sound the same is hard. It's it's a hard thing to do. And he, he made some very... Sort of crystal clear, unique characters that I hadn't ever seen before, um, and I think that's really impressive. I, I wonder if this film, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, I wonder if this is a film that could have been made now, um, because there's so much. It's so much a part of its time. I mean, Polly is just a jackass, but yeah. he's the kind of jackass that that was very familiar to audiences at the time. You knew this guy. He was a jerk. He was the guy who, you know... He's not just a jerk. He's an abusive monster to his right. sister. Well, yes. Like, he is. So, yeah. <laughs> like, he's a jerk, generally. But he is an abusive monster to his sister. Like, you wonder why she is maybe some of the way that she is. Mm. It may it may also stem the from fact that she is so liberated when she starts spending time yeah. as a couple, mm-hmm. and the, the scenes where they're watching TV and she's literally just like not crawling on him. No, I don't want to give that impression, but she is sort of just leaning on him and holding on to his arm and holding on to his leg when she's sitting beside him. And you can see on Bert Young's face, and God bless him, this was a thinkless part to have. Because yeah. he's playing such an ass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, For I sure. Think, I think about some people who've had to play just... Mo- people like Imelda Staunton. Oh, yeah. Just a monster. Playing a Dolores Umbridge. Okay, like, yeah. where do I even come from with this this character? Where do I start with this? Because this is just repulsive. But there's some people who can do that. She, he was one of them. Yeah. And hopefully... He is... Um, no, nice in real life. My understanding is that he's nice in real life. <laughs> Let him be yeah. nice in real life. So there's a lot of contention. This movie won Academy Award for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there's been some contention, contention on that. Um, it's really interesting. In 2008, it's, uh, I'm seeing it was chosen by British film, uh, magazine Empire as one of the 500 greatest movies of all time. But in contrast, uh, in 2005, there was a poll by the same magazine where Rocky was number nine on their list of the top 10 worst pictures to win best picture. So they were only looking at mm. the worst, or at right. the best picture winners, and then they were basically ranking which are the worst of these. And in the Ho- the Hollywood Reporter polled a hundredth of Academy win- uh, members in 2015, asking them to re-vote on past controversial decisions. And current Academy members at that time indicated that if given a second chance, they would have given the uh, best picture this year to all the president's men instead. <laughs> Um, I think there are uh, that almost every year. There's two completely different kinds of movie. There. It is, but I think that at a distance, almost mm-hmm. every year's best picture wouldn't right. have been that year's best picture. I think there are a few that are like, no, that definitely was. Mm-hmm. But how often do you see the best picture of a, of a winner next to uh, that you've never fucking heard of right. next to something that is classic and, t- and re-televised twice a year and yeah. like everybody knows and can quote like it's yeah it's 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 wild this um the afi has them all has this all over their lists uh it's number 78 on their 100 years 100 movies it's number 52 on the thrills list hi mm-hmm. that's why we're talking about it uh it's in there it was nominated for the 100 years 100 passions i assume that's the love stories things uh, he's the number seven hero in the Heroes and Villains. I don't know that he's a hero, y'all. He well, is a small town enforcer, not or a small time enforcer. He's it's, he's in a big city. Maybe the idea is the arc of his character. <laughs> sure, maybe over the what seven movies he's appeared in. Well, and then the well, there's five of the Rocky movies, I think, and then there's the two Creed films and Rocky Balboa. Is does Rocky Balboa count? Was, was, there, was it Rocky Five and then Rocky Balboa, oh, or was no, it Rocky maybe it's Six? Eight movies yeah, I mean that's in. the thing. Like, mm. yeah, that that <laughs> um, the the arc of that character maybe is what they're saying. Over time, you're looking at this person. Achieve. The Philadelphia Museum of Art is the steps. By okay. the way, um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out. And this is another film that really benefited from just amazing casting. Sure. It really did. Uh, there was an attempt to get, I think, Joe Frazier to, to play Apollo Creed. Oh, interesting. He's in it. Yeah, he's in he it. He makes a brief appearance. And he did. They were scheduling conflicts. And, uh, and I think someone was like, thank God he didn't. That guy didn't. Because <laughs> if I didn't. I think an act. I, I also thought that that Ant character was super interesting. Right. The Apollo Creed character is super interesting because he's the one who comes up with it. He is really, like, his mm. character is marketing. Yeah. His character is really good at selling a- entertainment. He's a good fighter, obviously. Right. But he also has this other marketing side, this showman side. Well, and that's that what, is really interesting. There and was I'm, some concern. Pull, they're obviously pulling right. from. There, can, there was some concern that he was, um, that they were pulling too much from Ali and mm. his, this kind of showmanship angle to the extent to where when uh, 
Stallone, I believe, was a presenter one year at the Oscars. Ali sneaks up behind him and they have a mock boxing match, <laughs> you know, and then, yeah, which Stallone takes off running because it's like, really no, funny. I'm not going to fight you. Are you kidding? But uh, they, uh, yeah, apparently Carl Weathers, he says, was just, that was an amazing find. This guy was in prime shape. He was in great condition. He comes in and he says the first, they're, they're working on sparring. Um, and he thought that Stallone was the stunt double. He says, can we get the actual actor in here so I can get some reactions from him? The director's like, that's the guy who wrote the script. He's the, the lead. And, he, and and Carl Weathers is going to be apologetic. He's like, oh, no, no, that's the attitude I want. I want the attitude of the guy no, who's like... No, what, you, do, what right. you were doing, spot on. Which right. I think he may be new. Like, right. But he's not going to... He's an, also an actor. He's not yeah. trying to be an asshole. <laughs> like, but it's, it's, we talked about that when we were talking about Spartacus. There was a time, especially before, when trying to find an actor who could carry out these athletic scenes mm-hmm. was a big deal. Yeah. And so finding an actor who is an athlete yes, is, you know, like Carl Weathers, who's right. an actual football player and all this other stuff. Jim yeah. Brown, when we were doing um, uh, The Dirty Dozen, was another one, professional football player and actor and whatever else. Yeah, it was a, it was a score for them. Uh, eight more sequels. Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4, Rocky 5, Rocky Balboa, Creed, Creed 2... Um, he will not be in Creed 3. Okay. He does not appear in Creed 3. Um, I don't know if that means that they're going to have killed him. He was sick in the last one. Right. He was so good. Oh, was so good. Anyways. Um, so the last thing I want to say about this movie. Well, first of all, two, two more things. One, I have to go back to the Yo Adrian. So I knew he said Yo Adrian. I thought he said it like once. He didn't. He said no. it like a million times. It's what he says more than anything else in this movie. If there is a pause at any moment, he's got to fucking say it. And it's hilarious and it made me laugh every time. It's so funny. It's like, it was like his punctuation. It was so weird. And then the other thing I was going to say was in the ten top 10 top 10s that mm-hmm. AFI did for sports films, this movie came in number two. Behind next week's film, Raging Bull. Wow. So we'll be watching Raging Bull next week from 1980, starring not an athlete, <laughs> Robert De Niro. Someone who trained like one, though. Apparently, there I was. I know he gained a full ton of weight. The actual Jake LaMotta was saying, yeah, that guy should have been competing. Okay, so he is playing a. This is a. A real oh, life. Is it a biopic? Or a biopic. <laughs> it's, uh, it's obviously a biopic, I believe. Really? No. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard anybody lean into bi- I think biopic sounds fun, uh, but I don't know anybody who says it that way. <laughs> um, so I didn't even realize that this was based on a, based yeah. on a true story. And it's it's going to be, in many respects, the opposite of Rocky. You're not going to like this guy. He's I just... didn't like I didn't like Rocky when the movie started. Right. I was like, he's a fucking thug. Well, this is like the thug who doesn't have the, the character arc that Rocky has. Oh, no. Does. But I like that character arc. He he falls in love. Yes. Uh, well, so you thought, was the film thrilling to you? Absolutely. Good. Yeah, anytime there's a fight or anything, any kind of sport thing, I'm thrilled. Yeah. So, next week we're going to watch Raging Bull. It's mm-hmm. on HBO Max. So, if that's an option for you. 
Um, I don't know where else it is. Hopefully. What, I'm trying to figure out how long it is. Um, I bet most of his long. movies are terribly long. Oh, is this a Scorsese? It's a Scorsese movie. So, if nothing else, it'll be visually really interesting to watch. It's in black it... and white. Oh, it's uh-huh. two hours and nine minutes. So, it's ten minutes longer than this movie. Than it needs to be. <laughs> and then we'll just count how many more minutes of fighting there are. Mm-hmm. Many more? Or we know? can have a drinking game, if you like. I sure. Every time someone uses the word fuck, we drink. Oh, is it a big square? It's a Scorsese movie. Oh, right. You said that. Okay. Somebody, I haven't seen that many Scorsese movies, some, to be and fair. They're so. all, what I like, appreciate about Scorsese, um, on top of everything else, he's he actual... He's marble. He's a genius filmmaker. He has an eidetic memory. An eidetic cinematic memory. But he also is a person who actually gets these very almost, well, for most people, very uncomfortable representations of violence. They're not, he doesn't do balletic violence, he doesn't do artistic violence, he doesn't do cool violence like Quentin Tarantino thinks that he does. He does actual gritty, grunching violence, and he does that very well. And I appreciate that because having grown up in the 80s when there was so much of the bloodless rock uh, Rambo kind of speaking yeah. to us just alone seeing actual pain and suffering means something because right. it brings you back to oh these are people and this is the kind of extent that and I felt that with this film too it's like what he does for $40 is what Rocky does for $40 yeah it was cra- I was like he gets to take home $40 right. Jesus when they take away the gym fees and the other and the $15 for the robe and the, the it's just it, that scene is so demoralizing I was beginning. like is he going to be a gigolo like how's he going to get more money then I was like, oh, I bet you could pay rent with $40 then. Never mind. Right. Which and that, fucking crazy. He's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 that's kind of ham and egger, by the way, what that means, because I realized I didn't. It's a slur, it, but it means, not when you're talking. It, it means a failed boxer, but well, it's it, also just In like, terms of a boxer, it means that they earn just enough to get their meals. Got you. Which is ham right. and eggs, right? Right, right, right. It's like, it's less than tomato can, which is kind of a slur, but. If you're a boxer. Tomato can? Well, yeah, because you're like a can. You just get kicked along and you, you take it. And you're a tomato because the stuff that comes out of you is right. red? Woof. Yeah. That's... <laughs> it was a hard world. Woof. Yeah. So next week we're going to watch Raging Bull. In the meantime, mm-hmm. do you have anything you'd like to recommend? I, I actually am late to something else. <gasps> um, awesome. It's the name of our show. What are you late to? Dark Winds. Oh, I want to watch it too. Okay, and uh, it's when a number of number of years ago, ten a decade ago, twenty years ago, uh, Tony Hellerman was a real best-selling author, mm-hmm. and he wrote a series of novels about a pair of detectives, and uh, they weren't always in the same sets of books. Some of the stories followed one detective, and some followed the other, and um, what they he did is he combined them both. Leap Horn and and Chi. And uh, they work on a reservation. A huge reservation, Navajo reservation. Um, as the tribal police. And I knew that Robert Redford, speaking of Redford, had put a lot of effort into trying to get this made 
He's he's. This is the third incarnation that Robert Redford has attempted to get done. Mm-hmm. The first one was a film with Lou Diamond Phillips and Wes Studi. Okay. The second one was a television sh- uh, program on PBS with Adam Beach. Okay. And this is the third attempt that he's had at doing this. I like that he's consistently putting natives right. in there. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. It was... I'm sorry. I, I made a mistake now. Um, one of the, the actors wasn't native. Uh, Fred Ward played in it, but I don't know if Fred Ward is not I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't really surprise me if I found out he was. Right. But... Um, so he's he is doing this story. It's really interesting because it... Part Cherokee. Part Cherokee. There we go. Well, Chuck Norris is part Cherokee. Everyone's part Cherokee. I remember doing this... <laughs> it's not uh, true, but it feels like everybody wants to say it. This uh, talking to a friend of mine who was indigenous, fully indigenous, and he was like, what's with Chuck Norris pretending to be an Indian all the time? And I said, well, he is. He's part Cherokee. He is. It's like, Really? Oh, he's a lot cooler now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, but part Cherokee does not mean that he has actual ties to the Cherokee Nation or anything right. else like that. I don't know if he passes there. It's just a Wikipedia thing, so I right. don't know. Well, I'm not... I remember hearing that a long time ago with, with Norris and that he, with the TV show Walker, he really leans into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, these are... Joe Leaphorn and Jim Chi, and they are on this reservation. They are investigating crimes. One is sort of an FBI plant. Okay. And the other one is a guy who's seen his share of sorrows having worked on the reservation. He lost his son in a, um, an explosion at, a, at a, I believe it's an oil rig. Oh. But uh, on native land. Okay. But um, they're coming together to investigate a murder of a young girl who used to be his son's girlfriend. And and so there's a lot of interesting elements of indigenous people's belief and mysticism. It doesn't go overboard, though, because okay. it's very easy to go like, you know, and then the Indians use their magic powers to stop the bullets. No, it doesn't do that. But what it does cover is that this is their whole, like a fiefdom almost, this kingdom that they live in. Although kingdom wouldn't be so readily available for other people to invade, but right. it's inside their own world. It's their beliefs and their ideas. Well, that's not victim blame. No. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean it that way, but I mean, I don't want to give the impression that it's, there's, I, I'm, I'm yet, I, I really want to see the indigenous people's Wakanda. Um, and... Because it's, yeah. it's time. We need that in the world. But I uh, I really appreciate this kind of mixture of Leaphorn, who's the older of the two men, with all the experience on the reservation. You would think that he would lean more that direction, and he doesn't. He's a very kind of um, rationalist. And the young FBI agent, his mom was accused of being a witch, was driven out of her village. And then she winds up, he winds up approaching the asp- the ideas of, as it turns out in the book, becoming a medicine man. But, uh, yeah, there's so much in here. It's very much like watching um, the sort of elements of a detective story and these mystery plots, but mixed in with a lot of 
uh, a different culture. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it Zahn McLaren? Uh-huh. The the one that plays the main character. Uh-huh. Um, he. We've been seeing him. He's he. He plays the cop in Reservation Dogs. Right. And he's been in a, like he was in Longmire and a bunch of other Westworld things. Yes, he was in Westworld. That's right. And so I've been seeing him for a while, and I'm I, I'm happy to see him in the lead of something. He's he's fifty six years old, and now he gets to be in the lead mm-hmm. of a thing. Although he's the right age for this, though. He looks. Uh-huh. 20 years younger than that. Like, it's fucking nuts. Oh, and then he was in Hawkeye, too. That's right. There's there's a kind of... When you're watching it, there's a profound... And it's recent... I, I watched a movie that I recommended, I think, a while back, Wind River, that also... Uh, yeah, I gotta check that one out, too. That covers, in a very incidental way, these people are suffering. Yeah. There's a scene where there's a young woman who is going to give birth... She's at a clinic, and Lee Porn's wife is a nurse at the clinic. And the doctor, the Caucasian doctor, is telling her about, why don't you come, this is set in the 70s, why don't you come to the clinic and give birth? And Lee Porn's wife is telling her in uh, uh, Navajo, uh, there's a word for their language I'm not going to try, Okay. says, he wants you to come here and have the baby, but when you're under anesthesia, he's going to... Um, Oh, sterilize you. He'll sterilize you, yeah. So you can't have any more children. That's what they would do. And then you find out as the story progresses. So now it's, do you want to give birth at home where you could have a complication and die? Or do you want to give birth in a clinic and have that be the only baby you have? And uh, it's just sort of done. in a hard place. What's up? Very matter-of-factly. And it's staggering, you know, to hear that, yes, they did that. Um, And uh, the author, Tony Hillerman, grew up in his school an indigenous person's school. And uh, even though he was white. I was going to say, he, Tony Hillerman is not the most native na- name I've ever heard of. Right, but he wound up um, with a lot of the influences of indigenous culture, and, and that's what he's trying to portray here. But uh, but yeah, I have to recommend it. I'm almost all the way through. There are There's possibly a, um, a shapeshifter. I don't know. Ooh, Wendigo? No, not the Wendigo. God, that that's terrifying. That's <laughs> it's a shapeshifter. <laughs> but um, his last book was called The Shapeshifter. <laughs> so. But yeah, the, the, having absorbed a lot of Native American uh, stories lately, yeah, it's this is kind of it's in the spot. I'm really enjoying it. So, what about you? That sounds really fun, and I want to watch it. Okay. I don't. What have I watched? I was so high. I don't know if I've watched anything. I think I've recommended everything that I've watched recently, and I haven't really... I've been spending my time watching YouTube, y'all. It's not... I'm not proud of it. Some TikTok. Oh, you know what I did the other day that I recommend, actually, if you've got, you know, four hours? Watch those Knives Out movies back-to-back. Oh, that's a good idea. It was really fun. I went to a friend's house on um, Saturday night, and we played a couple of games, and then they had never seen Knives Out, either of them. And I was like, well, watch them in order. And and then we did. <laughs> and it was good, super fun. Uh, and 
we recommended Glass Onion previously. Mm-hmm. I will say I had I had not watched not, the the first Knives Out. I think since I saw it in the theater, I think I might have watched it once when it came out mm. at, at, in homes, and I hadn't watched Glass Onion since we watched it a week right. and a half ago or whatever when it came out. First of all, they both hold up on rewatch. The I thought, you know, having not seen the first one in a long time, and I know you were just watching it the other day. Um, I was like, well, there's no way the first one is as fun as the second one. It totally is. Yeah, it complete. They're both super fun, and it's it is jarring the New England vibes versus the tropical vibes that they really do sort of lean into mm-hmm. uh, aesthetically each of them, but. Um, I recommend watching, especially if you've seen Glass Onion recently, watch it again. Find those things that you uh, didn't catch the first time and you were like, oh, oh, oh. These, <laughs> they are playing fair. These films are dense. They too. are. They're yeah. just, they're, there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of really funny dialogue. There's, uh, there's characters that we don't see from film to film where it's like, oh, I kind of miss... Um, the police uh, investigators. Yes, right. They yes. were really funny. Yeah, there were no cops in the second right. one. Yeah, but Lakeith Stanfield and I don't know who that other dude was. But the, yeah, the guy the who white just one. starstruck. Yes, and so dumb, story. deeply <laughs> stupid. Which you're just like, of course you are. Um, yeah, but you're like, as I'm, mm-hmm. you know, watching Glass Onion. Again, I'm like, oh, he does have a phone in his pocket, and oh, he does like, right. and and I'm I'm seeing the things that I know are gonna about to be revealed, right? right. But they're there the first time around if you are paying attention, which I appreciated because I was like, play fair with me, right? That's the reason why when there's a movie like we were talking about, The Sixth Sense here, mm-hmm. a film like that, it's important that. You can see it again, and it will just be... He played very straight with you to the point of almost giving himself away at times. And then he still got you. So yeah, that's admirable. It takes skill. Yeah. So, and uh, Ryan Johnson has a new show coming out on Peacock the end of the month called Poker Face with Natasha Leone, mm. who makes an appearance in Glass Onion right. playing poker at the beginning. Or not poker. They're playing Among Us. With Angela Lansbury and Stephen Sondheim, both of whom that was their last on-screen appearance, I think. Um, But, yeah. So, if you have watched those movies and you've got some time, watch them again. Watch them back-to-back. It's a super fun Mm -hmm. uh, way to spend a few hours. Uh, that's, That's all I have today. I'll watch something between now and the next time we record, hopefully. That is more than just Raging... Well, definitely watch Raging Bull. Can definitely do that, but hopefully I'll watch something else too. There's a bunch of stuff on Netflix I'm trying to watch, but I'm so tired, you guys. I'm so tired, and I was so high all weekend long. <laughs> all right, so I think that's it. That's the Rocky episode. Yo, Adrian. It's ahead. It's how he says I love you. He's saying I love you every time. <laughs> um, if you have uh, questions or comments or concerns. For us, you can find us, uh, excuse me, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod or on Facebook by searching for Latecomers Podcast. Uh, until next week, 
I'd like to remind you to please, please take your medicines every day. And we'd like to remind you, better late than never. never.